Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. How is it going? I hope you're doing awesome. We're doing something new here. Uh, you asked Dan questions uh, in AMA style, ask me anything, but this time is ADA um, or ADA. Ask Dan anything. <laughs> hey, Dan, how's it going? Hey, my man, buddy. Life is wonderful. So glad to be here with you with the new ADA edition. I was actually telling you, know, you earlier that ADA is one of my fa you know, uh, favorite uh, fictional characters in the Resident Evil series. She's an Asian spy who just knows how to you know, run mm. around Raccoon City and whatever. So I, I, when I heard about ADA, I feel like, man, that's going to be a great idea. So why don't we just get started with ADA? I'm going to jump Daniel on. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so I'm going to kick it off with a good one. Um, I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to apologize if I mispronounce your names because some of them are really hard and I'm not sure what to pronounce them. So I hope I get them right. Uh, <laughs> all right. I think Bogdan. Right. Well, before I actually go right. into the questions, I would like to thank all of our listeners, basically uh, the fans. They, they really do keep, you know, keep us going, basically. So just wanted to thank him so much for all the questions. And obviously, I try to answer a lot of those questions on Instagram. Uh, stories. I mean, uh, and of course, some of the questions I just responded directly, with, you know, via text because uh, they didn't require, you know, a very detailed answer, basically. And some of the, you know, the comments I got were not even questions. They were like, you know, you're cool, you're great, that kind of stuff. So that, they were not questions. So right. first of all, thank you very much for all of you for your uh, basically comments on my uh, stories. And I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for all the comments and the questions were all great. I've already answered some of your questions directly via DM. And of course, some of those have been now chosen to be discussed here because of lack of time, obviously. We want to actually, we're gonna, every single time we're going to do one of these, uh, we'll choose about, I don't know, probably about a dozen or so, nothing more than that, because it's going to take a lot of our time. And I will try to give, you know, detailed answer to all of these questions now. Lovely. Just lovely. Okay, let's try it. Let's try it out. Okay, so Bogdan asked the question again. I'm sorry if I pronounce that quite, uh, inaccurately. But... I think you pronounce it pretty well, man. Don't right. worry about it. It's, okay. pretty... awesome. it's a Russian name, probably. Okay, cool. Um, and his question is, how can you speak Russian so good? And that's a good question, because that's my question, too. How can you? <laughs> All right, very well. So later on, uh, I'm going to actually ask your feedback on the questions, because I know that some of these questions actually are yours as well. So if you had any other questions, of course, I would appreciate, you know, your extra questions to me, because, you know, you're the host, obviously. So I would be glad to actually get further answers. But as to answer uh, Bagdan basically here, uh, number one, speaking a foreign language well, from my perspective, is not something, you know, it's like it takes a lot of uh, skills or talents. It's something that anyone can do, like almost anyone can do. Because if you're right now talking to me, you speak one language pretty well, and that's your mother tongue. This means that every single one of us has the capacity to learn a foreign language pretty well. It's not, it's a universal skill. We all have it basically. But the problem is when it comes to learning a foreign language as an adult, there are a lot of other issues basically involved with this. And uh, uh, of course, uh, as you already know, I'm uh, working on basically my own book, which is uh, called The Polyglot Guidebook. And uh, the first draft is completely finished, about 120 pages already done. Of course, we want to actually add more material and references. But basically, I have my own method for learning foreign languages, and I call it the Mulligan Method. And this is a method designed to help people learn a language in the modern world uh, using uh, basically online facilities, apps, the Internet and the chance to travel cheap because, of, you know, obviously in the modern world, we have a lot of advantages that we did not have, uh, let's say, 10, 20 years ago. Uh, I don't know, things like Couchsurfing or, I don't know, Airbnb and so many other uh, basically uh, uh, great facilities that make traveling affordable for the masses, basically. Other than that, I really believe that learning a foreign language comes down ultimately to one thing, and that is how much you care about it and how much you want to do this. Because if you have a strong enough will and motivation, uh, you will definitely learn to speak any foreign language well. And for me personally, that's one of my biggest passions in life, which is why I've chosen international business, as well as basically linguistics as my major areas of expertise, because I love this field. I really feel there's uh, a great thing to be discovered about life when you go about different cultures and languages. And generally, I'm also a huge fan of more exotic languages. I mean, of course, it's very nice to learn things like French and German. Of course, I speak them as well. But uh, what, there's a, you know, a very huge difference when you literally look for, uh, let's say, uh, YouTube. I mean, today, literally, I was actually on uh, YouTube and I was trying to find new channels on YouTube in different languages. And actually, I found a lot of great channels uh, about the things that I find interesting in a variety of languages, including Greek, Dutch, uh, Hindi. And uh, I was really fascinated by, you know, the differences you see. Like when you're watching, let's say, a blogger 
uh, from Netherlands who is blogging, let's say, about relationships. And I really found it very exciting, interesting. And then you actually move on and you watch an Italian, for example, blogger talking about uh, his stuff. And then you move back to Hindi. You realize that most uh, Indian, uh, basically, bloggers don't really put themselves on camera. It could be a cultural thing. I don't know, really. Like, they actually prefer to just talk over, let's say, slides and whatever it is. And then you go back, listen to other more exotic languages like Czech, like Hungarian. And for me personally, as you know, I'm a polyglot. And this is one of my biggest passions in life. Uh, not everybody necessarily has to learn, I don't know, 23, 30, 40 languages or whatever it is. Uh, it depends on you and your passions in life. Maybe for Hold you, on a second. One language. Wait, 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 wait. How many right. did you just say? Well, well, as, 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 <laughs> when it comes to like, you know, proficiency, it's about 23, but I know about 40 languages on a Holy very basic smokes. level, of course. smokes. That's like, That's well, no, but the, the thing you just said was like, nobody needs to go like 23. I was like, nobody thinks to do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's right. You see, we all have passions left, right? And for example, you yourself, Pujix, uh, you're an immigrant and you uh, probably are one of the best, uh, basically, speakers of English I've ever seen uh, among all Thank of you. my friends and acquaintances. And you are a great example of the fact that you do not need, you do not speak, I don't know, uh, dozens of languages, but you, you do speak one la foreign language very, very damn well. And I think that's what most people need. I mean, for the same reason that, I don't know, uh, not everybody, uh, let's say, you know, you, we have, uh, let's say, an electricity uh, engineer who knows everything about electricity. Uh, but at the same time, we have those who go home and just, you know, turn the, you know, the switch and get the electricity, right? For right. the same reason that people who use light in their home do not need to know basically anything about electricity and the fact that an engineer in the field of electricity knows uh, probably a thousand times more about electricity than any, anyone else basically ever needs. The same thing goes with me. So actually, as a, you know, my education, my official education, one of them actually is about linguistics. So for me, that's a passion. And one of the major reasons that I like to study all these languages, is because I at some point intend to actually have uh, conferences and seminars uh, basically in these countries, and I would like to establish businesses. So for me, that's a lifestyle. You know, not everybody works in international business. Not, not everybody, you know, cares about running a business in India or, I don't know, Czech Republic. So because of, for the same reason that I basically do not have to know a lot about electricity, but I can still use it, you do not necessarily need to learn 40 languages to be able to actually learn one language very well, right? And uh, because of this, uh, I really believe that my method and my mission is not to make people hyper polyglots. I'm, I'm not trying to inspire people to learn a lot of languages because I really believe that that's actually not necessary and you're being counterproductive if you're learning a lot of languages. Because for most learners, for whom learning a language is not a lifestyle, as it is for me, learning a lot of languages actually will be worse. I know a lot of my own students actually around the world who see me it's like, Dan, you speak all these languages. I want to learn three more too. And this, as soon as they start doing this, then their English actually falters. And, and I tell them, like, dude, listen, I, I mean, I really appreciate the enthusiasm. You definitely want to learn German and French, but look at your English, man. I mean, it's actually suffering. So isn't it just better to just quit French and German right now and focus on your English? Because that's a lot more important. So for the same reason, I really believe that uh, your measure of proficiency is not necessarily about how many languages you speak. Uh, it's rather about how well you speak those languages. And in the Malga right. method, actually, my focus is exactly on this, is exactly on learning a language at a level so well that you can actually uh, basically uh, find yourself fluently speaking uh, wherever you are in all situations. So that is really my target to the masses. I am not encouraging people to become hyper polyglots like I am. Instead, I want them to use what I learn, used to learn languages to focus and master one language. That's a very fair point. And I think um, it's... Uh... I agree with you. For the most part, uh, you, you wanna you have a point on why, why are you trying to make learn a language? There has to be a point. It's not just for fun. I mean, it can be, but at the end of the day, if you're learning English because you want to immigrate, for example, then then you you better be damn well uh, good at it. Uh, otherwise, you're gonna have some some troubles. So so I get exactly. That. Look at yourself right now, Pujas. You're a you know super uh, you know duper physicist, right? And I remember I struggled so much with physics, uh, basically in high school. Uh, and uh, uh, but for me, I had to finish high school, which me which meant I needed to finish my physics. Now, does that mean that after graduating from high school, I'm going to go and study physics? Not necessarily. The same yeah. thing applies to linguistics, in that not everybody should become a polyglot with a deep knowledge of I don't know, uh, lots and lots of languages. Uh, in order to get get by in life. And but we all need at least I really believe that if you are living outside of, you know, uh, the United States, Canada, Australia, England, uh, basically, and 
other, you know, native speakers of English, if you are living outside of those, you know, countries, you definitely have to learn English. If you're not, then you're falling behind the masses. And uh, because of this, really my mission, hopefully, uh, in the coming decades is to actually help a lot of people around the world and encourage them to learn at least one foreign language well, ideally English, if they're living, you know, in other countries. And if they already know English, I, my wish for them is to actually learn that language very well and then hopefully learn another. But ultimately, my focus is on mastery. It is not on learning a lot of languages because that's simply not necessary. And I really know a lot of people who, for example, have this, you know, very thick accent when they're speaking. They're rather fluent from my perspective, but they have this very thick accent and they make some, you know, weird mistakes. And then they say, okay, now it's time for them to learn German. Dude, come on. When you're speaking English, I mean, you have a very thick accent. If I, if I were you, I would dedicate two extra hours to improve my pronunciation. I wouldn't just learn German because that's not for you right now, right? And uh, because of this, I really believe that it's much better to focus on mastery. And uh, uh, of course, I'm very encouraged uh, by you know the compliment about my Russian. And I actually had a couple of interviews in Russian uh, a while back. And I realized that it's pretty good. I, I feel like that the Mulga method really works, and not only for me, but also for those that I have used it for. But ultimately, the answer is only one thing, the Mulgan method. And hopefully, I will be sharing that uh, in depth in my podcast, uh, basically, which is the uh, uh, one of the uh, editions of our B2B podcast called the Polyglot Edition, as well as the upcoming book. And uh, hopefully, we're working on it. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that once uh, the book is published, you'll have the chance to dive deep into this, uh, basically, method. And it's very simple. It's very easy. And there are three stages in the Mulligan method, the stage of parrot, the stage of actor, and the stage of fluent speaker. And in depth, hopefully, it will be covered but if I wanted to summarize all these things in one word, I'd say passion and hard work. Because, you know, unlike, for example, you, you can be born, in, let's say, in a family uh, that is wealthy and you will have a lot of money right off the bat. Right. And there are a lot of things in life that you can actually get by chance. Let's say you are born very attractive physically or you're born, uh, let's say, very muscular or your body is designed in a way that is very flexible. So you can be a good dancer. There are a lot of advantages, of course, but when it comes to learning a foreign language, you can never inherit it by itself. You really got to put in the hard work. And that is why when I see people who have mastered a foreign language, I know that these guys are capable of doing a lot of great things because they have worked very hard at it. And because of that, they have achieved this result. So uh, because of this, I think of, you know, mastering a foreign language as one of the uh, pinnacles of achievement uh, that is possible. Because in order to master a foreign language, it's not just, I mentioned also in my book that uh, just like all other things in life, success in language learning is only 20% mechanics and 80% psychology. And if you, I really believe you can master a foreign language, you can do almost anything else. And hopefully uh, in the pro upcoming programs, uh, the product edition, as well as the book, we'll discuss in detail how to actually become very fluent. But then again, I'm very flattered for the compliment. All right. So next question. It's from actually it's quite, quite related. And that's from Hasti. Um, she asks, uh, how can you have time to do more things? And well, learning 23 languages takes a lot, a lot of time. Beside that, you have other, you know, uh, busy stuff that you're you know, sorry, other stuff that you're busy with. So how can you have so much time doing so much things? Damn it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, and I also mentioned this uh, a little bit, uh, you know, on the stories. And now I'm going to give you, you know, the full answer here. Basically, I also, m you know, made a tweet about this a while back. If you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. You see, uh, we're living in a world where we think that the key to productivity is to just free up time and not do anything else. And uh, in one of my basically meetings with uh, uh, one of my mentees, I was telling him about this issue. And he said, like, Dan, I just want to quit my job and I just want to spend more time to study, basically. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm moving to Canada. I got to study my IELTS and I want to just you know, dedicate more time. I said, don't do that. He was like surprised like what? But I want to get a good score in IELTS. I said, if you right now quit your job to study IELTS, not only you will not pass the IELTS test, you will actually be very depressed and probably even lose your motivation to go to Canada. So what I said was instead, not only do not quit your job. Get two extra hobbies that you would like, and at the same time, put uh, put time for uh, basically physical activities because he hasn't gone to the gym for a long time, and only then dedicate the rest of that time to IELTS. He was like surprised, was like, "What? What are you talking about, Dan? Are you sure? Are you been smoking or something?" Uh, and I said, "It's very simple. If you quit your job to create free time for IELTS, the problem is it's not really the time that we put into our pursuits, but rather the quality." of the mental as well as emotional engagement with them. So I'm sure we all know, we had the experience of going to a lecture, a boring class or a boring event where we were there for hours, but after a while we didn't remember what happened. Like what? Because the brain was disengaged. So the key to productivity from my perspective is number one, key emotional states. That is your, in NLP we call this peak state, right? When you're in peak state, 
it's a similar state as if you have uh, been doing drugs, uh, but it's actually created naturally using your psychology and your biology without any chemicals or substances. And when you're in uh, peak state, you're in a good emotional state, you feel very good about yourself, and you're in motion, you're in movement. And here's what happens. When you're in motion and movement, when you're busy with different tasks, your body produces a lot of great happy hormones, which is also the flow hormones, basically, right? And these pleasure hormones will allow your brain to become uh, basically uh, hyperactive and uh, very efficient. This means that, for example, if it takes you, let's say, uh, 30 minutes just to get focus on, let's say, a grammar drill in a foreign language. Now, if you're in peak state, you can do that in less than 30 seconds and boom, you're in, right? So because of this, they say nothing succeeds like success. And if you want to get things done, give it to a busy person. I believe that a key to productivity is actually to do a lot of things and to do different types of pursuits simultaneously, because uh, one of the laws of nature is that uh, what, whatever you want to accomplish, you will accomplish it in the deadline that you give to it. So, for example, if you want to, let's say, uh, I don't know, do your uh, term paper, if you give yourself three months to do that term paper, you will accomplish that exactly three months, which means for the first two months, you do nothing. So you, li you literally do nothing. You put it off. In the last month, you become a little bit, a little bit concerned about the whole thing, right? So, oh, I got to write, do my term paper, right? And you actually start writing in the last two weeks, again, a little bit, just, to, you know, the basic framework. And as you know, probably you'll do most of that job that has you know, in the last few days before you had to submit uh, that paper. Why is that? It's because the time that we give ourselves that deadline, the subconscious mind then goes into action. It says, all right, so how much time do I really need to get this thing done? Okay. And then it'll actually create a pattern in your brain that allows you to accomplish it in that very specific period of time. So here's a fun factor. If you give yourself tighter deadlines, your brain will come up with the ways and the ideas to do that in a shorter period of time. And this actually programs your entire biology. For example, I'm sure you know about the days where you are so engaged with certain tasks that you did not need as much sleep. You could just go to bed, after three hours, you're ready, fresh, get, get going, right? On the other hand, you probably had days where you had nothing to do and you felt tired all the time. Why is that? Why is it that on the days that I have nothing to do, I feel so tired, but on the days that I have almost no time even to sleep, my body gives me so much energy? The answer is a subconscious program because if you have nothing to do, kind of like you know, think of like your brain as this uh, nice, uh, wise old man. You go to the old man and says, "Subconscious mind, I need two apples." And the subconscious says, "Okay, here's two apples." And then the next guy goes and says, "Subconscious mind, I need two hundred apples." He says, "Not a problem. There you go." We say your brain and your body releases as much energy, attention, and focus as you require it. And it does not give you any more or less, which means if you tell yourself, I want, that's what I you know, told also my uh, mentee, if you want, let's say you tell your brain, so I'm going to actually quit my job. This means I will have 20, let's say extra 20 hours per week for sitting IELTS. But what will your subconscious mind think? It says, well, you don't really need that extra hour to get you know, your IELTS done. You can still get very good results by three hours, but you give me 20 extra hours per week. Why not? So what happens? In that case, the body and the brain actually releases less energy in your nervous system, which means you will feel more tired. So the same job, the same IELTS studies you could have done in a matter of five days with three or four hours of study, you know, you could now do it in a matter of one month with all the extra hours. And that is very inefficient in life, right? So the key, therefore, to becoming highly productive is to start giving yourself tight deadlines and have lots of pursuits simultaneously. And the people who get a lot of things done aren't doing that because they put basically, uh, you know, tight deadlines. The reason is that they have so many things to do that their brain, their body creates those habits and gives them the right emotional state. Again, it all comes down to emotion, gives you the right emotional state to pursue your goals. And once you do that, you can actually easily get caught up with a lot more tasks. So what is my secret to get things done? Well, as you know, Pujix, I run multiple businesses. And learning different languages is, is only perhaps probably five or six percent of the uh, you know my time my active time is actually dedicated to learning foreign languages and i have a lot of pursuits simultaneously and in various aspects of my life whether it's uh, let's say fitness whether it is for example business whether it's academia whether it's writing whether it's you know social media influencing all those things so the more things you start doing simultaneously the less time you need to accomplish them 
And that is why if you look at, you know, high achievers, long after they have reached, you know, high net worths of $500 million or a few, even billion dollars, they're still hard at it working. Why is that? The answer is not more money because they don't need it. They can't possibly even spend all that money in their whole lifetime. So why they keep working so hard? The answer is the emotional state because these people have conditioned themselves for decades to be at peak state and work very hard. And now they get pleasure from all of that pursuit, right? So they create a lot more tasks, bigger projects, they get busy. And that is why they always have energy and they're always positive and uptight uh, and upright, basically ready for uh, their next projects. Because of this, if you really want right now, if you really want to get more things done, 10x all of your tasks. So if you have, if you have to do one thing, add nine additional tasks to your list. For example, let's say you say, I want to pass this exam. Okay, add nine extra things to your test. Say, I also want to um, improve my, let's say, uh, fat ratio. So I want to burn extra fat. Uh, number two, I also want to run my uh, business. Number three, I want to be more active on social media. Number four, I actually want to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I want to actually start a relationship because that's going to take a lot of time. I also, at the same time, want to improve my skills in public speaking. At the same time, you see, like you give yourself additional tasks. And here's the fun factor. Ironically, the same tasks that you would have accomplished in one month, if you gave yourself only one task, you can now accomplish all of those 10 tasks and still meet your deadline. And here's the difference. You will feel more energized and more happy and more excited. And that's exactly what I think you should be doing with your life. So how does Daniel speak all these languages? Well, very simple, because Daniel does not spend all his time learning languages. He's busy with a lot of other things. And that ironically gives him the energy that he needs and the mental space to let the brain learn these languages also at a, at a subconscious level, right? And the same reason that I actually, how do, you, how do I get to, get, get to speak, I don't know, 20, 30 languages, why? Very simple, because I never allow myself the luxury of just learning one language. So I have to learn multiple languages simultaneously. And the same thing applies to any other area of life. I never allow myself to only have basically one business. As of now, I have, I'm running more than probably seven businesses and I'm in the process of starting two or three actually through businesses. One of them actually is with you, Pujix. So the point is you want to get busy with a lot of things. That's the, that's the key in life. Numbers. Life is a numbers game because so you're going to try a lot of things. Many of them will not work. Some of them will work. And then you keep pushing through and then you add more stuff. This is the key to doing a lot of things. It's, you know, people got it backwards. They think like it to, to do more things, you need more time. No, you need more tasks and you will do them in the same time allotted to you. And if once you master the skill, once you start setting big goals and then tanks your life by doing a lot of extra other things, then you realize you can do much more than the average person in the same period of time because we all get 24 hours per day. But that 24 hours is not spent equally. If you have, you know, if you have, let's say, 10 things to do in the morning, when you wake up in the morning, you do not have time to go on Instagram and randomly watch other people's posts, which is going to, you know, a part of the answer I will give later on about one of the other questions about Instagram. If you have 10 things to do, when you wake up, your life is in a state of, you know, let's just call it positive emergency in that there are so many tasks to do, very little time to do it. So what do you do? You start deleting unimportant things. And that, from my perspective, is a key to productivity. To do and to be more productive, you need to actually stop doing things that are not important. And the way to do that is to give yourself a lot of tasks that will automatically remove them from your plans. Uh, people right now are saying things like, well, Dan, how do you learn all these languages? Well, let me tell you something. If you tell me right now about all the latest movies in the Hollywoods, I have no fucking clue. People around me talk like, Dan, have you watched this movie? Have you seen about that? Have you been to that concert? No, no, no. Because the same time that you spend randomly going on YouTube or watching, I don't know, the latest blockbuster or, I don't know, a goofing around or a smoking Hubble bubble in the cafe somewhere or just chatting or chilling or just, you know, randomly playing some random games. The same time that you're spending randomly doing things, I am studying languages. I am working on my businesses. I am trying to, you know, uh, um, create a good relationship. So this, this is all about doing the things that are important because I really believe that most of us are spending most of our times doing things that are not important, even at workplace. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur and I know that a lot of basically staff members they're not working. I know a lot of my secretaries, they're not working all the time. So when they see me, they're all, oh, they're ready to go. Oh, yes, I'm working very hard. But I'm pretty sure that they're spending most of their time randomly answering their messages, basically on uh, their cell phones or doing other stuff. Because uh, it's proven that the average employee in the United States, actually, and that's the U.S., which, as you know, is a very high, highly productive nation, uh, works only half the time. 
The other half, they're wasting their time. They're fooling around, right? An average salesperson spends most of their time drinking coffee, chatting with their salesperson, and just making an average of, you know, the average uh, you know, salesperson in America makes the first sales call 11 in the morning, whereas they actually come to the office at 8, and they make their first sales call 11 in the morning. And then they, well, you know what? I called three uh, customers who said they didn't answer. Well, I got to go for lunch now, right? They go for a lunch break at 12. They come back, make, I don't know, four or five uh, phone calls. And they guess what? They're waiting for the last time and they leave the office at four. Thank you very much. No sales made for today. Good job. That's, you're going to be the top salesperson. The key here is productivity, man. Like uh, we can do a lot more if we have the reason to do it. And the fact that I can do all these things is not because I am more efficient. It simply means that I am not wasting my time on a lot of things that we waste our time on. And if you do the same thing, you'll get the exact same results. Very simple, right? You want to do more? Stop doing less important things and see how that will transform your whole life. Awesome, man. This is, this is great stuff. Now we are moving on to the next question, and that is slightly different topic. Do you not miss your country? Well, uh, as you know me, basically, I have this anthropological attitude towards life. So missing one country for me is like very difficult because being in the same country for more than one month or two months just makes me crazy almost because I have this... Uh, passion for moving around and exploring different cultures. So uh, do I miss? Of course. And I can't really wait to go back to New York City. But the fact of the matter is that I made a promise to myself when I left that city. I said, I'm not going to come back until I have realized and achieved all my dreams. I even made that promise to myself. And the fact of the matter is that I, of course, I can right now go back and just, you know, stay there, have fun. But I have then have to, you know, quit all of my uh, ambitious goals and just go back and see what happens. Well, I really believe that uh, missing things, again, it's uh, one of the things that uh, you start doing less of uh, when you start getting busy is missing things. Because if you don't have really time to miss things, you simply won't miss them, right? The fact of the matter is that once you're busy with so many things, then you don't have time to miss. Because in order to miss something, you should first sit down and say, well, I got now five minutes free time. Let's think about, oh, yeah, I really missed that thing, man, right? So Missing things for me is a luxury that I cannot afford, along with a few other luxuries that I cannot afford, including excuses, laziness, and just chilling for no reason. So uh, for that reason, I personally believe that it's best to be busy with your goals. If you're really busy with your goals, then you realize that it's very hard to miss, uh, especially places. I mean, missing people is one thing because I have a lot of people that I miss right now, but missing places from my perspective is just meaningless for me. It just makes no sense. So the answer is no, but uh, hopefully... Uh, at some point, uh, when I get back, uh, by then I've actually accomplished and realized all of my goals. That's uh, that's pretty good. And uh, but by the way, this past question was from Phil. I forgot to mention that. Now that's the right, next question sure. is from uh, Asim, and this is somewhat related. And that is, when was the last time you cried? Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow. So, uh, well, first of all, first of all, that's a pretty cool thing because uh, for so long, I'm going to actually uh, ask you one question right now, Pujix, uh, before I answer. Uh, what do you think about men crying? I'm actually, uh, I'm actually curious about your opinion. Uh, I don't, I don't really have a strong opinion either way. Feel so yeah. you believe that it's uh, just uh, is it is it okay for a man to cry? Do you think? I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't mind it. I don't, I don't really okay, care. Okay, very well. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm not against men crying at all because I believe that everybody has their emotional outlets. Uh, but usually, right. it's proven, it's proven psychologically that men, their major emotional outlets tend to be aggression and anger rather than uh, crying. Now, mm -hmm. does that mean that if a guy cries, it's bad? I don't think so. Not at all. Uh, but I myself definitely have had cases where I did cry. Uh, and But generally, the two cases that happened to me that I remember right now, uh, the first time actually I cried was when uh, my grandpa passed away. And uh, this happened, of course, uh, about uh, six, seven years ago. And the second case was when I was watching a movie uh, where it was, uh, I felt very emotional uh, in that moment, basically. And uh, there was, this was this movie was called 300 Spartans, and it was a part in that movie where he stood up against this dictator and he said, because the dictator actually told him that uh, you want to fight me even though I am ready to kill my own people to win this war. And at that moment, he turned around and said, well, guess what? I am willing to die for every single one of my followers. And at that moment, I felt like this is true leadership. This is like real art of leadership. And I just felt very emotional. Very and of course, it was combined with the music, the, the epic, because I have this, you know, uh, you know, one of my weak spots, if you will, is epic type of music that you find in certain epic movies. And that, you know, statement combined with that epic uh, background uh, was really emotional for me. 
And at some point after that part, when when uh, basically uh, the leader is killed, and then they're uh, returned back to their homes, basically on uh, these shields. At that moment, when I saw that like scene where this amazing leader and the people are basically they're killed and their bodies are being moved back to their homes. I just, you know, I just couldn't take it. And I started crying and it was very, very emotional for me personally. But I do not tend to cry for problems because number one, I have a very different attitude about problems of any kind, of any kind, uh, except for one thing. And I also explained that in my uh, one of my posts and that is losing someone that I care about because I really believe that if there's a problem, any problem, there's always a solution, always, but except for one thing. If I lose someone, that I care about. Because if they're dead, they're dead. And I can't do anything about this. Unless right? they're Jesus. So, well, <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> that's possible, man. So uh, with that being said, uh, I really believe that uh, for me personally, uh, crying is uh, permissible when I lose someone I care about, a family member, a loved one, somebody that I care about deeply. Uh, and of course, uh, I've had a lot of cases where I did cry uh, by being uh, emotionally affected by certain uh, basically imagery of which was this epic movie which really influenced me a lot and I did actually feel a lot of emotions at the same time so these are the things but generally I'm not a huge fan of uh, resolving problems by getting negative so when I see problems I'm ready for action I'm not there saying oh my gosh why it happened that's not my style really for the most part all right fair enough um now the next question is from Olga and she asks when are you going to tell us about the matrix of life and I gotta t- oh, I gotta say my. Yeah, I got to well, say, I think this is the question that I should be answering because it's mostly on me. Um, that's right. And uh, you know what? Let's let's make a pledge right right now, right here. And uh, we're going to do this before we're going to you're going to hear an episode on Matrix Matrix of Life before the end of September, maybe sooner, but definitely before the end, like maximum the end awesome. of September. How's that? Awesome. Perfect. So you heard it, guys. We're going to have one entire episode dedicated to the Matrix of Life. And as Pujik said, it'll be before September, for sure. Great, man. You already gave the answer. Awesome. All right, moving on. And now, um, next question is from, um, oh, Andre. How can you sleep less and still function well? Yeah, you're notorious about uh, sleeping (laughs) little. That's right. Well, first of all, I'm not not recommending people to stop sleeping less. This is not healthy. It is proven that there's a direct link between heart problems and lack of mental function and sleep deprivation. So I'm not in any way encouraging people to become sleep deprived. Uh, number two, it's about your overall physical fitness. One of the reasons that I personally exercise once and occasionally twice per day is for this reason, because in order for you to sleep less, you have to have a body that has above average metabolism. This means that it's not just possible for anyone to just sleep two hours per day and just get ready by no problem. This has a lot of you know uh, genetic factors involved as well as your overall fitness. Uh, with that being said, I mentioned earlier, this, the response goes back to what I also mentioned about having a lot of things to do, right? When you have a lot of things to do and you're in peak sit emotionally, it becomes a lot harder actually to stay in the bed. Like there are some days where I go to bed and I'm gonna like, uh, okay, I'm going to have, have a video conference, let's say uh, eight in the morning and this one. And since you are thinking about that, like you simply find it very uh, difficult, if not offensive, just stay in the bed. Like you just can't stay in the bed. Like something is pushing you out. So I really believe that the key to, uh, you know, being very productive is to uh, have things you really are passionate about. Because if you really care about something, then it's very hard to just stay in the bed. Even though Albert, uh, basically Einstein, once said, uh, have big dreams and then go back to sleep and dream about them, right? So, uh, of course, he was joking about this matter, but I really believe that you cannot do anything in the bed. I mean, there's one thing you can do in the bed, but that's probably uh, not going to be part of this show today. But other than that thing that you can do in the bed, you just can't do anything in the bed, right? Let's be honest. I mean, there's there are very few things in the world that have been done in the bed, right? That, you know, uh, th- throughout the history, how many of the biggest events in history took place in your bedroom, right? So because of that, I really believe that you want to have big missions. And if you have big missions and combine them with uh, a positive lifestyle, because nothing drains you of energy more than negativity. So I have this rule where as soon as I realize there are things or people or situations that are cosmic emotions, I immediately remove them from my life. Like literally, that's one of the cheat sheets, if you will, uh, and the tricks of sleeping less. You want to sleep less? Make sure that your brain is not exposed to a lot of negativity because stress releases uh, cortisol and and a variety of other negative hormones. And the more negative you are throughout the day, the more energy uh, you need to, to recover and the more sleep you need, actually. It, it, it's proven. Like, if you're very negative, you need sometimes f- four extra hours just to recover from that damage to the body, right? So the key to sleeping less and doing more things done is to remove 
all sources of negativity, especially the ones that are repeatedly happening from your life, because nobody can fully remove all negativity, right? But uh, let's just say that uh, if you're getting pissed off every morning in the traffic, well, maybe you should just sell your car and use public transportation. Maybe you should change your home and go to a place where you do not need to drive so much. If your client is always, you know, unreliable and says, oh, I'm going to meet you at this time and then they get canceled. They're going to go this time. All right. Just remove them. This happens to me all the time. Like if I see somebody is flaky and uh, who, who cannot be trusted, I just cut off twice. And they say, so, Dan, what is going to be our next meeting? Like, uh, I'll call you later. Bye. And I will never contact the person ever again. Why? Because I know, as we uh, discussed in the book, the law, uh, the, the laws of human nature, people never do anything once. So if there are people who are doing things that is causing you emo negative emotional experiences, trust me, they will do it again because people never do things only once. So if you see this person is always acting so negative or this uh, employee is always late or this employee is perhaps not working very well, or if this client is not going to be reliable, then trust me, if they cancel, they're going to cancel again. You want to be canceled over and over again, just get pissed off. No, remove them from your life. You have to remove weeds from the garden. And once you do these things, once you remove source of negativity, top of which is television, just because I, I, I never watch TV, actually, remove TV. Remove most of these negative sorts of, you know, basically uh, influences. And more importantly, remove the people that cause you negative emotions on a consistent basis because every nobody's perfect, right? So, yes, of course, your business partner is going to cancel your meeting once. It's going to happen. Maybe then twice. It's going to happen. But if you're seeing that this guy, like every other week, saying like, well, you know, I got this thing going. So can we do the project next week? Like, you, you know, this guy is flaky. Just fucking cut him off, man. Just let him go and never work with this guy again. So once you do these things, once you see certain traits in people that you don't like and you see they're being repeated, just remove these people without any you know, explanations from your life. Just even go ahead and block them if you want. No problem. Just remove them. And the same thing goes with activities or places. I mentioned traffic as one example, right? Or maybe you're in an environment that is causing you a lot of problems. Maybe in your neighborhood, there's a lot of noise in the background. You can't sleep at night. So the key here is remove any and all you know, sorts of negativity in your life. And that will mean you will have to burn less energy throughout the day. If you burn less energy and you have less stress, then you can easily sleep for four, five hours per day and have a lot of energy, right? So the key here isn't just about sleeping. It's about lifestyle management. If you're feeling negative or pissed off or if you have no you know, self-confidence, all of these things are going to cause you problems. If you go to the office and you see the face of a guy that you hate, that person is going to cause you a lot of negative emotions. Remove that person from your office. Or if you're working there, quit your job, find a different job. Once you remove negativity from your life and the people that cause you negative emotions on a regular basis, you find yourself in a spot where you're losing less energy. And this is efficiency. If you want to sleep less and get more things done, be efficient. And the key to be efficient is to remove negativity of all kinds, TV, Movies, most movies are garbage. Nowadays, if you look, look, look at Hollywood, violence and sex, it is absolutely not true. Remove all this crap from your life and focus on doing the things that matter. And I can promise you, you will have the same issue and you will not need to sleep nine hours every day to actually have to get a lot done, basically. That way, you can get by by fewer hours and you'll actually enjoy and be healthier as well. On the subject of negativity, uh, Nusha asks, what do you think about marriage? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that tells you about what I, I think. I about. love the correlation, Pooja. <laughs> negativity. What do you think of marriage? I think we all know what that means. But uh, the point is, uh, marriage is a very great thing. I think that uh, marriage is an old tradition that has been established since the dawn of, let's say, time, if you since the dawn of history. But in reality, it actually goes back to the agricultural age. Uh, so the purpose of marriage was neither love nor romance, nor was it about infatuation. The purpose of marriage since the dawn of history uh, more specifically from the uh, dawn of the agricultural age, was to make sure that your properties, especially the land, were passed on to your own children and to your genes. Because at that time, we did not have measures like uh, DNA kits, or you cannot just go to, the, let's say, uh, a drugstore, get a DNA kit, and with 99% accuracy, know that this son or this daughter is actually your son or daughter. So for that reason, marriage was created as a means of making sure that women and men were sexually exclusive and because of this, the children were theirs and not someone else's. And as we know, of course, as statistics uh, have already proven, uh, almost half of marriages around the world globally end in divorce. And uh, three out of four couples admit to have cheated on their partners, uh, basically on some levels throughout their lives. So is this an efficient formula for relationships? I'm not sure. I don't think so. If you also look at like Jeff Bezos, who uh, not long ago actually lost over $45 billion on a, a basically divorce case, 
financially speaking, it's also very not very feasible. So if you have certain financial goals in life, then you might want to be careful about marriage, basically, uh, and you want to have some sort of agreement that protects you against it. With that being said, uh, what I really care about is family, is love, and is uh, basically having children, because for me personally, that's a very interesting thing, and I think that everybody should aspire to it. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that marriage as it is today, it's nothing more than a basically a socioeconomic contract designed to uh, help men or women create this coalition uh, that is enforced by law and that there are consequences against it. I personally, uh, I, I personally think this is not the right approach to do relationships. Uh, while I'm a huge fan of basically monogamy, especially serial monogamy, in that you have a relationship, it's monogamous, it's one-on-one, -on -one, but if you realize it's not win-win, you move on to the next, uh, basically, partner. Both sides should actually do that. Uh, so I really believe that marriage uh, in this, you know, typical sense probably is not very uh, uh, efficient uh, because it's no longer necessary. In the modern world, we do not need to get married to make, make sure that my son or my daughter is my son or daughter. This can be done easily by uh, a simple kit you can buy basically for $99 uh, in, in a drugstore, right? And at the same time, if you're really talking about love, if you because sometimes people say, well, what about love, Dan? Well, if you really care about love, then love uh, knows no boundaries and knows no documents. So if you really uh, want to actually experience true love, true love should be based upon emotions and not contracts. So for the same reason that uh, you cannot basically uh, think of marriage as a means of getting more love, it also is not very... Uh, uh, financially wise. So am I a fan of getting married? Of course not. Uh, I think that getting married uh, in the modern world is not necessary. As we've discussed in one of our seminars, literally yesterday it was, uh, as you guys know, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, that's what I heard in the seminar. And they said that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo actually has uh, a couple of babies from his girlfriend and they're not married yet. Is that true, by the way? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe it could be. It, that's it, right. It makes that's, sense. That's what it I heard, <laughs> but this has been done many uh, again and again by various celebrities. So it is possible to be in a loving monogamous relationship without marriage and even raise kids. But uh, the document and the paperwork itself, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's necessarily for me, nor is it necessarily the best approach towards relationships. However, am I a fan of loving monogamous relationships? Yes, of course I am. Am I a fan of romance? You bet. I love romance more than anybody else. Uh, but does that mean that you should necessarily have a document to prove it? I don't think that that necessarily makes it very emotional or, or romantic. Uh, on, on the subject of Cristiano Ronaldo, um, typically uh, when you see the, their profile, it says uh, spouse, but in his case, it says partner. So I guess it could be true. That's right. Very yeah. well. I thought right. so. Because it's a movement, really, because I really believe that if you are enforcing your relationship with a contract, then this is uh, because I'm a business person and I, I've spent a lot of my time, uh, as you know, avoiding a lot of the paperwork to avoid paying less taxes. So when it comes to all sorts of paperwork, I'm a little bit you know, suspicious, including when it comes to running my companies and businesses, because I would like to, let's be honest, pay less taxes. So when it comes to marriage, you can imagine if I do not like paperwork for my businesses, you can imagine how I feel about marriage. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, next question is from Carl. And he asked, do you act differently in different situations? Do you have two lives that are different? I suspect what he's trying to get at is uh, multi-personality, depending on who you're uh, dealing with. Or maybe like being two-faced or hypocritical. Yeah. I get that all the time. In a negative thing. connotation or a positive one, even. I don't know. Well, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. To answer, uh, his name was Carl, right? Yeah. That's right. To answer Carl, I'm going to say yes. Because if you are someone who believe that you're acting the exact same in every situation, then you lack what we call social intuition. You cannot talk to your father the same way you talk to your boss, the same way you talk to your president, the same way you talk to a child. So part of social intuition and social calibration is your ability to adjust your behavior based upon the social situation. So if, of course, we have a lot of people who are not like that. And in the modern world, unfortunately, uh, we see a lot of those examples among celebrities. Uh, the very fact that people love simple answers, that's what is wrong, I think, with the, the current mindset in the modern world and that people want easy answers. Because let's be honest, if you're always the same person all the time and you have this the exact same behavior all the time, then that's a, a hell of a lot easier, man. I mean, come on, it's much easier to be uh, the same person all the time, right? I mean, whoever talked to you always talk like this, right? Never change your tonality, never change your approach. Do not choose your words wisely. Just say whatever, you know, what the fuck comes to your mind. That's called, you know, being, I don't know, perhaps uh, super modern or I don't know, whatever it is. But from my perspective, uh, people who are achieving good things in life are thoughtful about what they say, about what they do, and they are strategic. They know what are the outcomes in a situation, and they adjust their behavior accordingly. And uh, since I'm a huge fan of strategy, planning, and organization, I really believe that if you want to get the most out of life, you cannot be the same way. I mean, you do not dress uh, the same way when you're addressing an audience of, let's say, 200 versus when you're in your living room, basically in front of TV. 
So you have to be, I mean, you, you just simply don't do that, right? Uh, you do not dress the same when you're sleeping in your bedroom versus you're uh, sleeping in your, uh, let's say, friend's house, right? So it's quite normal and quite natural and quite right for people to adjust their behavior based upon their environments. And I believe that if you're not doing that, then uh, you probably lack social intuition. And for that reason, of course, there are many situations where I tend to be a lot more informal, uh, where I tend to a lot uh, use a uh, more dark type of humor. There are situations where I never use any humor whatsoever. There are cases where I tend to be a lot more serious. Uh, there are cases where I tend to be a lot more friendly. So uh, I really believe that if you want to uh, achieve uh, the objectives you want in life, you should know what is my outcome in every situation. If you're in a business meeting, your goal is not to make that person think that you're super friendly. You want this guy to be afraid of fucking you over. So when I go to a business meeting, my first goal is this, don't fuck with me. Because if you do that, there will be consequences. And I should send that message. I cannot send that message if I'm overly friendly, right? Because the person should know that, dude, 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 this guy knows his stuff. If you fuck with this guy, he's, he's going to fuck you over. So I better, I better stay, you know, stay, stay away, right? So now if I'm, let's say, on a date with my, let's say, partner, that's a whole different dynamic here. Of course, this, this is not business. It's about love and emotions. Of course, they're going to be different. Of course, we're going to be more friendly. So let, let's, let's go back to business. Uh, uh, the person says something. Of course, I will have to super analyze what that person or client said because that's going to affect the, the whole future of the business. So I have to be overly cautious. When it comes to, let's say, hanging out with my friends, I'm, of course, I'm not going to think it so much that uh, think it over. Like, I'm going to take it easy. Like, even, okay, let's just, you know, fool around. Who, who the hell cares, right? So you want to have the skill and the ability to have this, what, what I call polarities or opposing, uh, basically, uh, uh, opposing skills and talents. Today, actually, I put a post on danmulgan.com about this issue. It's uh, in the books in a nutshell. Uh, regarding uh, the, the book called The Dichotomies of Leadership. So Such leadership is- I love it. It's a very great, I'm not, I'm, have you actually read the book, by the way? Yeah, yeah I, audio book, but yeah. It's wonderful. And uh, the, the art of leadership is having opposing qualities simultaneously. You are selfish and you're selfless. You're kind and you're dangerous. You, uh, you are trustable. And at the same time, you make people uh, somehow fear you. You want to have these opposing qualities and you cannot have those dichotomies as mentioned by Jack Willings, and have the same behavior every single time. That's simply not possible. And if you are that, that person, then the chances are you have a boss or some manager or some father figure or whoever takes care of you because people like that cannot survive and thrive in our society. Very good. Moving on to the next question. John asks, why don't you follow anyone on Instagram? Well, that's right. I've been asked this question, I think, uh, maybe a zillion times. Every time <laughs> I get a new like, especially those among my friends who follow me, because if they're, you know, because uh, I get two types of followers, the ones that follow me just on Instagram, I don't know them. And of course, uh, for me, they're all important and I would do my very best to provide good content for all of them. And there are, of course, uh, but this usually happens among my friends who know me. Like they say, well, and sometimes, sometimes you know, they're very, uh, tend to be like very indirect, like, so Dan, I followed you, by the way, at that time. Maybe you should check it out. And sometimes they like literally, they tell like, listen, dude, follow me, my friend, follow me right now. So, <laughs> The question is this, uh, why is that case? Because I really believe that Instagram, the way it's being used by most people is not right. And it's a complete, complete time waster. Secondly, Instagram is highly addictive. Unlike Twitter or LinkedIn, which are my other two major platforms, Instagram is the one platform that you can literally spend hours on it and not know how the time is passing by. Because Instagram is about photos and videos. It involves a lot less text, although in my posts, as you've probably seen, I emphasize heavily on text because that's education. That's brain. That's not just, you know, brainless stuff. But secondly, it's generally very time consuming because uh, we have this natural tendency to find out about people. So you get one post from your friends. They want to check out all the other friends. Now the friends have another friend. You want to check these guys out. So Instagram is a highly addictive as well as a highly immersive experience because of the emphasis on photos and videos and the fact that it's so easy to post anything you want. So because of this, and now as we know, as uh, it's been proven now, it is exceeding Facebook in popularity in terms of branding and all those things. So when you think of this platform that is so busy, and if you already, you know, you've already mentioned about the importance of time management, if you have all these things to do and you don't want to waste any time, yeah, you simply don't follow anybody. Why is that? Because if I don't follow someone, it means I'm not supposed to like their photos, nor am I supposed to answer a lot of questions, nor these, and this is going to free up a lot of time, man. So in this case, I will be able to actually save a tremendous amount of time that would have otherwise been uh, basically uh, not done. Because in the past, I've done the experiment where I followed a lot of people, and then I simply did not uh, you know, uh, check out their posts, nor liked. 
And I felt that these guys actually got offended because I felt like, dude, you're oh, wow. following, you're checking my photos, but you're not liking, man. I feel very upset. So I realized the only, of course, I've been doing this for a while now, as you know, Fuji, it's been about uh, two, three years where I do not follow anybody on Instagram. Uh, it's because uh, it, it has worked because people know that, uh, sorry, I'm busy and I don't have a lot of time. So this way, I'm more than glad to share with you my thoughts and ideas. And uh, it's, uh, of course, your choice. You'd be more than welcome to actually check it out. Uh, but ultimately, uh, if I have to follow you and then I don't like your post, I'm going to be upset. So I prefer actually not to do that. However, if you've seen me on other platforms, on Twitter and on LinkedIn, I follow basically all everybody like there. Like if you right now go on Twitter, if you go on uh, LinkedIn, you see that uh, basically it's a very different dynamic because Twitter and uh, LinkedIn are very different than Instagram. It's only about texts. It's more professional. Uh, whereas uh, LinkedIn could be, uh, whereas Instagram could be used in abusive ways. So for that reason, I said like, this one platform, Instagram, is the exception. So here, I prefer to actually just uh, be, a, you know, produce content and not consume content. Guys, he fucking doesn't even follow me, and I'm so upset. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of course, of course, I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, next question is from Farid, and he asks, well, "You're really funny in talk shows. Why are you so funny? What the fuck, man? Why are you being a stand-up comedian here?" Well, that's right. Well, first of all, uh, thank you very much. Uh, what his, what's his name? Farid. Farid. Thank you very much, Farid, for your compliment. I appreciate it. Uh, I really believe that sense of humor, like any other skill, and make sure to know this is a skill, uh, could be learned. And uh, you might not believe this. You might think that my sense of humor is just random. And I just, I've always been like this. No, I haven't. I've never, I, I, until the age of 16, I didn't even know what humor was actually, right? Let alone make people laugh. So I have studied humor uh, basically in depth. Uh, I have read many books about this concept and I understand humor. I have, Because if you want to get good at humor, you have to study it like any other subject. Because you can't just, I mean, some people are, like, are born with it. Like they're really born smart and they're really good at, you know, uh, basically making people laugh. But I have studied humor in depth for many years and of course had a lot of performances to learn which ones work which ones doesn't because uh learning humor is one thing practicing is something else so i've been both studying humor and been using it basically in public uh events uh until i've learned it basically so if you want to get better at you know making people laugh trust me you can do it just start studying uh, humor there are various courses and books available and you can actually get ready uh basically understanding the basics and the fundamentals of humor and almost anyone can get good at becoming uh, basically funnier it's very good. I, I have to say, humor is awesome. I love humor. I just have to say this. Okay, next of question. Of course. Everybody loves it because <laughs> humor is it's a very, it's a, it's a bonding tool, man. Like, when you make people laugh, you're becoming their friends, right? I mean, they say the first thing that enters a good relationship is a laughter. And the first thing that leaves a, a basically a, a good relationship, a bad relationship, is that laughter. So the moment yeah. there's no laughter in the relationship, boom, something's wrong, man. We're not, we're losing friends here, right? Yeah, we are in bad territory. Okay, next question. Arash, uh, he asks, what do you do if your friends betray you or try to dominate you? Well, uh, this is, I, I wasn't quite sure exactly what he meant by betray or dominate uh, because these are like very t uh, totally different things, obviously. So okay, let's that. stick with betray. Yeah, I'm going to go actually with both one by one. Okay. But I'm going to start with betray, as you mentioned yourself. Well, betrayal, what does betrayal mean? Betrayal is when you do something against somebody else for your own benefits, right? And as you know, basically, uh, Pujix, I believe in win-win. So in all of my relationships, I have one, basically, uh, motto. Win-win or no deal, which I learned, basically, from Stephen Covey in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So you are, basically, if you are in a relationship with me, then this is a win-win relationship. It means that I am winning and getting benefits from this, and so are you. So by betraying me, I don't know what that means, basically, but let's just say, I don't know, uh, perhaps we're working on the project and then uh, you take, I don't know, let's say you take the project for yourself or yeah. we have an idea yeah. and I share with you and then you steal the idea and make your own company with it, whatever it is, right? Uh, so ultimately, like case, essentially, let's say I, I betray your trust as a friend. Exactly. That's right. So uh, in that case, I really believe that, uh, first of all, you are making a huge mistake because you're going to lose me forever. Because uh, most people who know me know me that I have a very good memory. And uh, there are things it, that people have told me eight, nine years ago. I remember which day they told me, what time, how was the weather, what was the condition, what were they wearing, and what exactly they said. Oh, so you and remember that thing. Damn. Yes. Didn't know that. And because of this, uh, I'm one of those people where I remember everything that everybody has ever told me. All their behaviors, all their actions. It's very hard for me to forget it, basically. And because of this, 
yes, you might betray me or take this away. And uh, you might go and come back after one year pretending that I've forgotten, but I won't. I will never forget these things. And because of this, if uh, somebody ever does that, then that means that that relationship is essentially over unless and until that person apologizes and changes their behavior. But if they come back after a year or two or even five years thinking I've forgotten things, no, I haven't. And those smiles after five years will not fool me. So because of this, when that happens, I know very well what my basically conditions are. I know who that person is and what they want. So they will lose a key partner probably for the rest of their lives. And that's their loss, not mine. Number one. Number two, in none of my relationships do I tend to create uh, complete dependency. I've always uh, lived by the motto of uh, the more options you have, the more freedom you have. So uh, I'm always in all of my basically plannings. I always plan for what if I lose this key ally in this situation? And I always have plans for this in all my businesses. I ask them, so if I lose this person in my business, what will, what will I do? And I already make the plans. And I have this model called make the plan B before plan A. So before I begin a relationship with anyone, I've already planned what I will do and what is my exit strategy if I have to leave that relationship. And I will never begin a relationship until I have that exit strategy first. Otherwise, we just tend to you know, remain distant until I find that relationship or I find that strategy. For that reason, what, how will I feel if I get betrayed? Well, number one, that person will lose me probably forever because I'm one of those guys who probably uh, will never forget his or her behavior. Number two, in that case, I probably will not be very upset. Why? Because I really believe in the uh, power of forgiveness. Why? Nobody is perfect. We all make mistakes. I have done a lot of things myself throughout my life, and I probably will keep doing those things. So the next part is forgiveness. And I tell this, uh, I say, forgive them for you, not for them. Because if you want to remain hateful, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what he or she said, you are, who are you harming? That person or yourself? So after cutting ties, I will then, of course, implement my exit strategy, as I already have it. So uh, so I know, that, okay, this person has left. Now we're going to go with uh, plan B and this is plan B, which already planned before we got into a relationship. And second step, of course, is forgiveness. Why? It is very important to understand that nobody is perfect and that people make mistakes. And forgiveness is being able to forgive them for being human. They say to err is human. And my doors will always be open for those person so long as they change their behavior. That is, I am not one of those who say, okay, you've done this. It's over forever. It's over forever for as long as you remain the same person. But if that person changes their behavior, that is, first they apologize, and then they change their behavior, and then I realize they're really sincere about their behavior, of course, they'll be welcome back to my social circle. If not, they'll be outcast, uh, probably for good. So it depends on these things. And for that reason, if every, every time I face with uh, basically the trail, I know what to do with it, and I will not be very upset because I have these strategies. However, here's the good thing about business that I've learned over the years. I tend to put all of my, especially important contacts, through a trial, a series of tests. Now, it might not seem like a test at first, even to them, uh, basically, but generally, the more important relationship is for me, the more I tend to put that person through a variety of uh, tests and trials to see their characters and uh, understand who they are. And only after that, I realize, okay, this is the person's character. I know whether or not I can rest and create, a, let's say, a team or something with that person. And for that reason, it rarely happens. I mean, we said about this betrayal, but in the past probably 10 years of my life, there hasn't been a single case where anybody that I was in a relationship with betrayed me. Not a single case. I can't remember even one, right? Why is that? Because I do my homework first. So before I start business with some person, I analyze their behavior. Who are they? What are their behaviors? I put through a couple of tests, sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly, sometimes subtly, sometimes to see their characters. Because for me, it's very important who these people are and what are their characters. For example, if, if I see certain traits of, uh, let's say, for example, envy, I know that this person should not be in my team because if this person is envious or jealous, then he or she at some point will fuck up the whole team, right? So I will be very polite with them. I'll be very friendly, but they will never see me in the same office. They will never be a part of my actual team, right? On the other hand, the ones that I pick are the ones that I fully trust. And when I trust them, this means that oftentimes these trusts are founded upon solid roots, which means I should never worry about them ever again. And in that case, uh, fortunately, uh, you know, touch the wood. Fortunately, I've never had this problem in the past decade, if you will, of ever being betrayed. And I don't think I'll ever have this problem because I'm the kind of person who will do my homework for team building first. First, I know the person and then I will build teams. And once I am, I had the fortune and the honor of being with a lot of great people around me. One of those people actually is you yourself, Pujix. And uh, when I have these people around me, I fully trust them and they are part of my team. And it's my job to serve them 
It's uh, my job to be there, uh, basically there for them. And of course, I appreciate all of their health and advice as well. So when I create these women relationships, I don't have to worry about trust because I rarely pick people that are not trustworthy to become my, basically in my social circle. And for that reason, I don't have to worry about anything. Lovely. And our last question is from Ali. And he asks, have you ever smoked pot? And what do you think about <laughs> well, smoking? Well, I got this one uh, literally like uh, probably today, was it? Like very recently. Uh, I'm uh, absolutely against all forms of drugs because I believe that drugs is nothing more than escapism. When you, I mean, why people use drugs and also to some extent alcohol? They just want to escape. And the reason that you want to escape means you have not made a life that is worth living. So if your life is boring too many days in a row, the problem isn't life. The problem is you. You should change your lifestyle. Maybe you feel like your life is full of stress and you, you know, escape all that stress because ultimately drugs are a tool to escape two major negative emotions for most people. Number one, stress. Number two, boredom, which is why we see a lot of drug abuse among, let's say, stockbrokers as well as college students. If you're a college student, basically, you have a lot of free time. You get fucking bored all the time. You don't know what to do, right? So you start doing pot. And if you are, let's say, a stockbroker, you're always stressed. You got to do that to calm yourself down, right? So I believe that it all comes down to managing your emotions. Once you learn how to manage your emotions and avoid a lifestyle that is uh, excessively stressful or excessively boring, you will not need drugs. As a matter of fact, you will hate drugs because that will you know, keep you away from you know, pursuing your passion in life. For that reason, no, I have never basically uh, done drugs. I have never smoked cigarettes. And I do not like this behavior. And as I see anyone in my, my, my friends who is, who's basically a smoker, not even like uh, drugs, even like cigarettes, uh, my first advice is quit and quit as soon as possible uh, because I believe that that's not important because uh, ultimately there's a lot of great ways to make yourself happy. And the best way is lifestyle design. If you are using pots on a regular basis, there's a reason. There's a reason. It means you're either too bored on, an, you know, on a regular basis or you're too stressed. And that means the problem is you. You have designed a wrong lifestyle that is causing you to escape that stress or boredom by drugs. And I'm against that because everything I teach is based upon this, designing a lifestyle for success and happiness. Once you focus on that lifestyle, you will not need drugs. And that's not because you don't uh, basically, you somehow have to uh, have self-discipline and willpower to not want it. You just have no desire for it. For you, it's something that is actually, uh, it's actually very negative. You hate it. You don't even want to do it actually, right? So for that reason, no, I've never actually smoked pot. Uh, I never smoked cigarettes, and uh, I do not recommend people to do that. However, however, with that being said, I know, again, people are in different stages of development. So maybe you still have to work on yourself to develop a lifestyle where you have less, uh, basically, stress or less boredom. But until then, maybe you have to use pot as an escape route. I'm not completely against it because it's proven that pot is not necessarily as addictive. And now in the, across the U.S., in a few states, it's actually legal. Uh, I'm sure also the same goes in Canada and also Europe. So... The point is, uh, if, if you smoke pot, is at the end of a relationship? No. But please, don't offer it to me because I'm not going to take it. <laughs> but it's the good stuff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. By the way, Pujix, do you, do you, I'm, I'm actually curious. Now we're uh, you know, basically recording this. Um, have you ever done pot? I have, yes. Oh, my gosh. And how's the feeling, by the way? Because like, uh, I don't know how, how the feeling is. Uh, well, it depends. It, it actually really depends on the on the the composition of the chemicals. Some of them are high THC, etc. So some like um, the ones that I really like are the ones that are super calming. It makes me like I, I'm I'm a, a little bit of a hyper person. Um, uh, like I, I I'm always moving my body, like my legs or whatever. I'm doing stuff, etc. So I like that experience of every now and again. I mean, I don't smoke it regularly by any stretch of the imagination, but. Uh, um, but, but, but I like those ones that are making me super calm because it's like, I have zero care for the world. It's oh awesome. my. And tell me like, uh, uh, like, is it addictive by the way or not? Uh, I don't think so. So, um, pots in, so in the classifications, the formal class classifications by addictive, they mean they actually have chemicals that you are biologically, uh, wired to use it. Like you, you have exactly. no escape. Now there's also another level of addiction that you also basically mentioned. And that is when, you are basically it's it's your reward system being activated. So so you're basically rewarding yourself with this behavior. So you become quote unquote addicted in a sense that like like addiction to chocolate or whatever. So <laughs> if it's because you you're you're constantly rewarding yourself with bad behavior. Now your bad behavior becomes 
becomes a becomes a habit. It's rather a habit than an addiction. So in terms of being becoming a habit, it could become a habit for sure. But it's not mm -hmm. like cocaine. Like cocaine, I, even I if, so. I, yeah. Yeah. So cocaine. that I think is much better than like I don't know other types of drugs like for cocaine sure. or whatever. Yeah. But still, I really believe that if you focus on designing your lifestyle in a different way, that you are you are experiencing what what we call this sort of flow most of the time, yeah. you probably will never need drugs. Yeah. I mean, I'm not so I, I'm not actually at all interested in drugs for uh, on a regular basis or anything. And uh, this is not even alcohol. You know that like I'm not consuming alcohol at all actually. So wow. So those are yeah, th those things are not really that interesting to me. But I do like the occasional uh, social aspect of them too. It's it's, Fantastic. it's pretty fun. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Very yeah. well. Any uh, question left? No, that was all. Actually, we, we, we had a we had one of our longest uh, programs, yeah. right? Exactly. I was gonna I was just gonna say that, and it was a very good program because we we co we covered a lot of subjects and a lot of things uh, all at the same time. It was awesome. Thanks for all your questions. First, actually, uh, first of all, I should say to all of our audience, this actually this idea again, like all the other ideas about BTP and many other things that you don't probably know about, like including my website, all those things, is basically because of Pujix. I mean. Almost everything that I'm doing nowadays is almost probably on a social media level. It's because of Pujix. So if you really enjoyed this uh, show, please uh, just go on Pujix, uh, basically uh, uh, social media pages and thank him because that was actually his idea, like almost all the other ideas that we had before. So he is the genius and the mastermind behind all of this. So please do not thank me. Go to basically Puya LJ on Instagram or on Twitter or whatever and thank him because ultimately he's the brain of the behind everything, basically. Thanks, man. It's a... Uh... I don't know. I'm at a loss for words. Thank you. Thank you very much. My and, pleasure, uh, buddy. And, and thank you. Th thank you all of you for the amazing questions that you sent up, Dan. Um, there were really good questions. I had a lot of these questions. I actually asked you a lot of these questions before <laughs> in, the, uh, in person. I remember so, that. Yeah. Uh, and, and thank you for giving us the time, Dan, answering all these questions. Awesome questions. It's my pleasure, buddy. Thank you for arranging everything. And thank you for this amazing idea to create the ADA edition. <laughs> ADA. It's going to become a thing. All right. Um, until a later episode. See you soon.